Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am lucky today to be joined by Louisa Lobix from Holden Cycling and Neil Vanderplug from Isaway Swiss Wellness. Hi. Hi, Jamie. How are you going? Yep, go- going well. Um, well. We'll start off with a bit of background um, on you, not not necessarily cycling related, though it is cycling related. Um, how's, your, how's your PhD going at the moment? I noticed that you've um, published um, some things recently. Um, yeah, it's going pretty well. It's been a pretty busy start to the year, which is always great. Um, just about to click the submit button for a second paper um, on the plasma volume marker that we've discovered. And it's this second paper is focused on how it can be applied to the athlete's biological passport and how it can improve our um, current anti-doping practices. So I'm pretty excited to get that one out there. Yeah, so dumb this down as much as possible, Louisa. Your PhD is to do with a test to determine the water content in in blood samples taken. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we've, just, we've developed a blood test which can um, estimate your body water, and that's going to help the biological passport because they use a lot of concentration-based blood markers, um, which can change when your body water changes. So if you're severely dehydrated or you can mask doping by increasing your blood volume. So we're taking away, we're trying to reduce um, the ability for athletes to do that. Yeah, um, if you want to know more about that, I did an article with Louisa about a month ago, I think now, and yeah, that goes through it in a bit more detail and unpacks it a bit more, but um, great to to hear that and continue on your good work. Um, Neil, um, I'll I'll find something to comment you on as well. Um, Your... Your video uh, skills recently have um, so seemingly stepped up a notch. Oh, thanks, Jamie. Well, uh, yeah, I uh, I didn't realise that was sort of you know needing to step up a notch. I think, uh, but that's fantastic, fantastic, Jamie. But geez, that's just to go back to Louisa there. That's really interesting. Like, just this uh, the water volume. Um, increases. I actually just had a really weird thing happen this morning, like overnight or basically from yesterday morning to this morning, I put on like two kilos, which I'm really hoping is some sort of uh, fluid sort of related weight increase. What do you reckon? Does yeah. that sort of thing happen? Yeah, definitely. And also like if you go to really hot races, like I was trained, I was living in Qatar before and I trained once in the heat and lost three kilos after that, just purely fluid so yeah wow. definitely can happen <laughs> yeah well anyway um we're here to discuss the two of east gippsland so we'll come back on the other side of this break with some news from that okay so we are jumping back in with the tour of east gippsland and we have two people here who are um very well positioned to assess the race um we've got one winner and uh, one person who was thoroughly involved in the winning of the bike race in uh, Neil Vanderplug, who was, who was um, the teammate of the winner, Sean Lake. Uh, so first of all, congratulations, Louisa, and congratulations, Neil. Both did a stellar job there. Thanks, Jamie. Thank you. Um, we'll first go through the women's. Uh, as it's an NRS event, it takes precedence, I, I guess. Um, Louisa, it was... It was always going to be important for the time trial um, going into the event. Um, is that is that what you guys at Holden had identified going into the into the three day um, event? Yeah. So there were no time bonuses in this tour, um, 
and yeah, no, no sprint points, no QOMs, nothing. So it was really important to get that time right at the start um, with the time trial um, because that just meant from there you could control the race and basically just had to finish on zero with the front bunch um, to hold that lead. So that's, ex yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we did with me. I was first and Shannon second, so we had a pretty good position right from the start of that tour. Yeah, and Grace Brown was right up there as well, um, along with Ruth Corset, Kate Perry, and Lisa Kennedy as well, who were all within, I think, six seconds of your lead there. Um, you, you said afterwards that you weren't really nervous at all um, during during the race. Um, but is, that, is that the case? I mean, when you've got so many good riders there, I mean, obviously the bonus, not having bonus seconds really does help there. Yeah, um, I think it's really important to have full trust in your team and I just have full trust in Holden at the moment and, um, yeah, I know I just knew the girls would control anything that got away and, I, like, I was practising to, yeah, just really be patient and not get nervous and, yeah, because you don't don't want to do anything silly when <laughs> when you don't have to and waste Sounds energy. Like Sounds like you're meditating a bit on the bike there. <laughs> yeah, um, I was doing some breathing practices and <laughs> going, <laughs> well good 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 practice for later um neil a similar similar situation in the men's tour there sean lake took the lead in the first one and then the in the first stage and then the next two uh, stages ended up in bunch finishes um was that i mean obviously you knew you had the best time trials going into the race yeah um it's a little bit difficult always with the time trial because there are very few, particularly with the actual full setup. Um, but yeah, we're pretty lucky to have someone like Sean, who's obviously a, a time trial specialist. Um, yeah. So we were hoping that he'd be able to sort of take the lead and yeah, he did. So it was, um, yeah, really handy. And also having Jason Lee, that made it, um, yeah, it made it uh, a little bit easier to defend having sort of two up there. I think Jason was fourth in the TT. So, yeah, like the females race, it all just um, it all seemed to just come down to the TT in the end. There was, there was I don't think there was actually any movement really on GC after the TT. Hmm. Yeah, well, so we'll go through it stage by stage now. That that first TT, it seems to be kind of undulating, but um, generally gradually uphill in the first section, and then the second, and then second. It's an out and back TT, only eight kilometers, and then. On that second half, it's downhill overall, but there's still, you know, a bit of rolling terrain in there. How do you approach a, um, an effort like that, uh, Louisa? Um, yeah, so it was a, a bit of a tricky TT because I guess the main section, like the most important section of the course was right at the start. There was a climb. Um, so it was really important to go hard but make sure that you had time, like you had a negative split coming back as well because it was a downhill coming back. So... Um, yeah, it was just um, that was probably the key section in the course to really get up that hill, climb as fast as possible, but um, have something left in the tank for those rollers on the way back. And Neil, you're you're quite short efforts as well. These shorter efforts as well. Um, what what what's the secret behind it? Oh, look, I uh, I think Louisa has pretty much hit the nail on the head there. It's it's short, and because it is sort of um, a bit of an up uphill sort of on the way out, downhill on the way back, there are a few little rises on the way down. It is sort of a, a big sort of, um, yeah, pacing sort of exercise. And, look, I probably shouldn't say it too much because I think I sort of made a little bit of a mess of it. 
uh, I had uh, a bit of a look at the uh, the data from afterwards and thought, oh, geez, too easy on the way out and uh, had way too much energy on the way back. So I was going pretty fast over the little rises, but I think, um, yeah, just didn't sort of uh, go hard enough uh, on the way out. So, yeah, it's a tricky little uh, tricky little time trial to get right. But, uh, yeah, it's good fun. You get a lot of speed on the way down that hill, that's for sure. Yeah, I think um, Sean mentioned his power numbers there, and he said he was doing 470 watts. Uh, for the duration of the TT, which is, you know, a decent average to have. Yeah, massive average, Sean's, um Yeah, I guess it's it's also, you know, gives you a bit of room to move on the pacing if you've just got that amount of power. Like, he, he's, yeah, he averaged a lot more on the way out. So, yeah, he's going very good, Sean. Yeah, good for him. Um, obviously, didn't have the greatest uh, TT at Nationals. Um, we spoke. I spoke a bit to him about that, and I think there might be an article coming out today or as you're listening to this it's probably already out so um look that up and basic basically he spoke about um how he changed things around for nationals didn't quite work out so now he's gone back to basics and i think we're seeing the results from that okay um move on to the second stage now and it was around that kind of undulating loop there that they've that they've got um just near Meetung there and Whilst it, whilst it was quite difficult, um, it was a very fast race in both the men's and the women's, and I'm not sure that um, it was ever going to split up too much. Um, is that how you saw it there in the women's there, Louisa? Um, yeah, I actually thought the course was probably a really great breakaway course, especially when we came onto that circuit because um, there were a lot of um, undulating hills and um, turns and you could get out of sight, out of mind quite, quite easily. Um, but obviously, like, our team wanted to have a bunch sprint and didn't want anything to get away that day. So um, there was two up the road um, for most of the race. Um, Jade uh, from Ansquiss and and um, a specialised rider, I think it was uh, Taryn Heather. So, yeah, so they were up the road for a while, but um, they'd gone quite early in the race, so we... We were kind of control, trying to control that and just keep them within arm's reach. But it was a good little course. <laughs> yeah, there was one stage when you were passing the women's B peloton and everything slowed down a bit and then suddenly they'd got a minute 30 on, on you guys. And uh, I think after that, though, you got um, you guys woke up at the front and went, okay, well, we'll bring this back now. Yeah, we uh, there wasn't great communication. We didn't really know exactly the time. But, um, yeah, I think that was one of the first times we got a, a time um, a time cut um, or a time, a message of how fast, far ahead they were. But yeah, a bit of confusion passing B grade there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's that, there's that quite difficult climb um, inside the last 10 kilometers there. And um, a group of six riders jumped away, I think it was there. Um, and Lucy Kennedy obviously showing her climbing prowess, um, getting, getting to the front and, you know, dropping a lot of riders there. Um, were you part of that front group? I wasn't quite sure on who was there. Yeah, no, I, I just missed that split, just a bit of poor positioning at the bottom of the climb, um, or not perfect. But, um, yeah, they a group of six got away, but Shannon was there and Grace was there too. So um, at that stage I was just off the back of them with Lucy Betchell and another specialised rider. And, um, yeah, like even then I wasn't that concerned because Shannon was 
um, just two seconds behind me on GC. So there was no reason for me to work and I knew the other riders would be chasing back on and sat on them and sure enough the, the peloton came back together after that climb. Yeah, um, and they ended in a bunch sprint there with your teammate Shannon Mousey taking out the win. Um, of course, Shannon's well known to the podcast. She's been on here a few times and going around in the Oce- Oceania's champions jersey, um, though maybe not for too much longer with it coming up soon. And she's always easy to pick out in, in the event and she's in very good form at the moment. Um, what, what was that final sprint like? Because it looked like there were a few gaps there in the in the peloton coming towards the line. Yeah, so there were a couple of attacks um coming into the final um we we were leading shannon out for the sprint um so the girls did a great job leading her probably like a little bit too early but (laughs) um i mean she got the win in the end so it was good um but yeah i was i was sitting behind shannon as a sweeper and and just taking care of her and yeah she did a great job um getting into that final sprint i i didn't realize it was we had that turn, which was, <laughs> so there was a, there was a little bit of a, a climb coming in, well, a, a bit of an uphill sprint. So, um, were a few gaps forming, but, um, yeah, most of us were on zero anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone in that top 30 or so got given bunch time, but, yeah. um, yeah, there was still, yeah, it, it looked, it looked on the line like they might be given some time gaps, but in the end it was, um, it was ruled that they were within, you know, each gap was within a second, so none, no time gaps were given, and you retained the leaders' jersey, so that was good news. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was good, good work by the team, and pretty happy with that. <laughs> yeah, um, who was second there? It was Ruth Corset second, and Jessica Pratt third. Um, quick word on Jessica Pratt there. She's really developing her skills, isn't she? And as a younger rider, um, we didn't see too much from her at nationals, which I think was a bit of a disappointment for her as much as anything else she said she was getting quite bad cramps during the nationals race there but she's um she's a young rider of immense talent obviously yeah jess is um she's a great little rider in the peloton and pretty bossy in there good good at positioning so it'll be exciting to see how she develops over the next few years yeah very good climber and got a bit of punch in the sprint so yeah definitely that type of rider that you need to follow okay on to the men's now and neil uh t- take us take us through this event here it was it was very very hard to get a breakaway happening in that race yeah it actually panned out probably a little bit similar to the uh to the the female event jamie there was uh eventually a break that went clear with uh two riders in it there were a lot of people trying to to get a move going but with sort of only four riders like we were defending um sean had the yellow so we only really had three other other riders to defend it was pretty important for us to uh, make sure that a a break didn't get out with any sort of numbers so that was certainly what we were trying to do and it was it was definitely very difficult as louisa was saying the course it does sort of lend itself to plenty of attacks there's lots of undulations um lots of sort of corners and things and it's a great racing circuit and it actually really did feel like on um our third lap because uh, it sort of goes out about 20 k's does a few laps or we did three laps and then you sort of head on the way back there's a bit of a climb out there a bit of a um, tougher one which had a bit of crosswind at the top and on the third lap just before we head in it was actually starting to split but the pace wasn't on from the very bottom of that 
fairly short climb. So I actually think it, it could have really split. It felt like it was, um, it felt like, you know, maybe another lap and it would have really blown to pieces. But in the end, it did sort of uh, come back together. Those two riders were brought back in, I think, in the final sort of, or oh, would have been within the last couple of kilometres. So it ended up being a bunch of sprint, but that probably doesn't really um, sort of tell the, tell the true story of how it, um, how difficult it was. Like there was, um, yeah, it was tough. It was a really, uh, really good race and um, a tough one. Yeah, um, I think that's worth pointing out as well. Just the length of the races, they were both quite, they were all quite short races, even even for an NRS standard, I mean, of racing. It was all quite, quite short, especially in the women's. I think uh, the first one was uh, 72 kilometres and then the next one was 76 for the women. Um it yeah, it's a bit shorter than most most are used to, but maybe I don't know. Maybe it allowed a few riders who didn't quite have the form to stick with the main group. But I don't think it really affected the overall results. What was what was the opinion there in the peloton there, Louisa? Um, yeah, I mean there were quite short races, and we are used to a bit bit longer ones. I think um, yeah, it would have been nice to have a, a longer stage um, on the final day, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's hard with also race organisers and <laughs> sorting, yeah, if it's a loop circuit. But um, I don't think it necessarily would have changed overall. Um, and I think because it was shorter, people were aggressive right from the get-go. So did make, it did make for good racing as well. Mm, yeah. And, and Neil, how, how does it affect the dynamic of the race to make it a bit shorter there? Uh, I think, uh, like you say, Jamie, it probably allows a few more riders to sort of hang in there. Uh, and as I was just saying about that first road race, you can sort of feel that um, riders do start to tire. And then, uh, yeah, the longer it goes, the more likely it is to sort of split up. So it sort of does encourage, um, yeah, or makes it more likely for just less things sort of, you know, the race sort of exploding near the end. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, it, it does keep it together a bit. Mm. Uh, and in that second stage there, it was Brenton Jones who took the win. Um, it looked like the Drapak Pets Veg Boys did quite a decent lead out going into that final uh, corner there. They had, I think it was two guys um, on the front, uh, presumably Liam White and Cyrus Monk going through there. And, yeah, they kicked out of the corner. Cyrus Monk ended up taking second, and I think Liam White was third. Um, obviously a bit hard to beat Brenton Jones there in the sprint. He looked on very good form um, this race. Uh, Neil, you didn't really have a go in the sprints this 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 time. Uh, well, no, because I was actually, well, defending the, the yellow throughout the whole stage with only a few of us. Um, like That made it really tough. Uh, and that, that breakaway that was uh, getting brought back with two people, um, we lost um, Jeremy. I think we lost him on that last little climb so i did probably about 5k on the front sort of leading in sort of uh bringing those guys back so i was able to sort of still make a bunch of time but i was definitely not uh in this sort of condition to be able to you know give the sprint a crack so yeah would have been good but uh no, just didn't have the legs for that well yeah i mean taking on brenton jones is uh is quite a hard time to- hard asking itself and i thought i thought perhaps that um you you thought oh well maybe not maybe not worth it <laughs> in in some in taking taking a chance in a dangerous finish to to you know at best finish second but 
I don't, I don't know. He he looks pretty old in this form. Yeah, look, it's with a corner um, near the finish and um, slide uphill and everything. And in sprints, like you definitely wouldn't just sort of sit back and and not even try in a finish like that. Like, uh, yeah, I definitely would give it a crack. But uh, yeah, Brenton's going really well. I think um, definitely in the the TT as well. Like he had a he didn't have a, a TT bike like a lot of other people did. And he did a pretty slick time, so I think um, I think Brenton's in some good form at the moment. Um, yeah, he won he won that stage, so yeah, he's moving well. Yeah, um, moving on to the third stage now, and it was a just a circuit race around Lindenau, uh, which is a very nice part of the world. I like um, I like the scenery they've got around there, and a bunch of farms. Uh, they had some turnips on one side, corn on the other, and uh, what might have been cabbages. At, at some point, so you know, if you if you're into your if you're into your farm produce, go down to East Gippsland, check it out, check it all out. Um, but coming into that stage, Louise, um, what was the what was the brief? What was the brief from the from the team to keep the jersey there? Yeah, so again, we wanted to control the race, no breakaways, and just wanted a bunch bunch finish again. Um, it was a, a cool little course. It kind of brought me back to Europe a little bit. Some of those country roads. Um, down through the cabbages <laughs> so it was, it was pretty cool and I mean it was we, there were a couple of lumps around the back section of the course um, which could have been ridden quite hard and had the potential to split the bunch but no no real big attacks attacks went like some some went but they were on the highway section which was quite fast and windy and so it was probably not the best the best place to be attacking but um, yeah no one went on the climbs and yeah we were able to control it and the team did an awesome job just controlling the race and and leaving me fresh for the final so it was, it was a good job both the specialized teams in fact were were quite aggressive um both rush and the specialized women's racing um and neil your your partner um madeline wright she was she was on the attack a few times throughout the stage um Though I think she suffered from looking a lot like Kate Perry, so I caught a lot of Kate Perry attacks um, from back in the convoy, and and then afterwards she was like, "No, no, I attacked as well." And <laughs> I think I think that's something that's going to plague them for quite a while if they stay on the same team. Yeah, she uh, she didn't mention that. She said, "Oh, every time I attacked, it looked like uh, it looked like Kate was attacking." And she did say actually, even within the race, um, when she attacks, uh, she reckons that a lot of people mistake her for kate so and obviously kate's um you know a pretty dangerous rider to let go so yeah maddie wasn't too happy with that she's like this is no good i get no freedom at all it's like um you know i'm kate perry yeah they need to start putting names on the back of their jerseys or something just so she um she might get a bit more leeway <laughs> in, in some yeah senses. and they do look very similar like i've, I've actually gone to a few of the races to watch and i've uh, actually even sometimes that there's a few girls on that team who look similar, but particularly Maddie and Kate. Like I hate to say it, but I've got them mixed up a few times before. She had the wrong person. So, yeah, I think we need big name tags. You're right. Like, yeah, on the back of the jersey or something. Or yeah. maybe one of them needs to, like, win a national championship. That would that'd do the trick. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um yeah, so it, it came down to another bunch sprint there, and um, and high five um, actually sprung a bit of a surprise. They they put a really good lead out together, and it looked like they might um, 
they might split up the peloton a bit there. And uh, in fact, after after you, Louise, uh, I think you finished seventh in that one. Um, there was there was a gap back to the back to the next group of four seconds. So it's just as well you made that you made that split there. Otherwise, it would have been been, been curtains for your GC. But um, you you did well and hung in there and uh, claimed the and claimed the overall victory. Yeah, it was a bit of a um, it was a good finish. Like the because we was a again an uphill finish. Um, and before that, it was just big, long, straight roads. So the peloton was all strung out along there. Um, but yeah, High Five did a good job um, with the lead out there. I was a little bit too far back coming into that hill. So I had to do a big effort on the first little climb. And then it, go, it went down a little bit and then up again. And yeah, just managed to hold on there. Um, again, we were trying to get Shan up there. But yeah, she, she we weren't quite in the best position. Um, yeah, High Five did an impressive, impressive job there at the end to get the win. Yeah, they went 1-2, in fact, with Sam DeRuyter winning that stage there. Um, she said it's her first win since 2013, so good on her for getting that victory there. And Lucy Kennedy um, uh, finished second, and she was fourth overall in GC in the end. And who was third there? It was I think it was Ruth. It was Ruth Ruth again. Corset, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can you can almost bank on her filling out the filling out the podium positions um, throughout the season, can't you? I mean, she's just been around for so long, doing it so well for so long, and yeah, she's just a fixture in the NRS these days, isn't she? Yeah, she has just got so much experience and just knows how to do it. It's always there. <laughs> yep. Um, I like that finish as well. Um, you you mentioned there it was kind of up, down, up, and it. It really uh, provided an interesting spectacle. Um, we'll move on to the men's race, and uh, Neil, perhaps you were hoping that that um, that that finish wasn't quite so hilly. There, as if it had been flat, you might have might have made it to the finish. Um, wait a second, I'll preface this by by saying that Neil was away going into the finish and um, just got swept up in the last hundred meters or so. Yeah, look, I actually I really like that finish. Uh, other than that last lap, it really, it absolutely. Uh, yeah, just 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 slightly too hard for me. So, yeah, it it was it was an exciting finish though. I think you can't sort of uh, you can't argue that one. Mm. Okay, so take us through the race then. Um, I was I was on the side of the road uh, typing it all, typing out the women's um, piece that I was doing, so I didn't see too much of it unfortunately. But um, it looked like uh, Josh Taylor got away early, and um, you guys must have been you know relatively happy with that move. Yeah, so a lot of people uh, were being very aggressive, particularly the uh, Drapak Pats Veg boys. Uh, they had Cyrus pretty close on GC, um, and it was it was still pretty just pretty tight in general. So there was really aggressive racing as um, as it was on the first day, and then yeah, Josh got away on the second lap, um, and then we sort of controlled it for a while, and then uh, yeah. Josh, he, I can't remember exactly when it all sort of came back. It must have been going uh, on the third lap near the end of the, uh, yeah, near the end on the hilly section of the third lap, actually. It was just aggressive. People were launching and sort of Josh ended up coming back. And then uh, there was another move that sort of went off the front with myself and Drew Mori from Drapak Pats Veg. Um, I'm not sure who the exactly the other two riders were. There was one from Phoenix and one from Inform Racing. So we had a bit of a gap going into the final lap and then um, Drew Morrie sort of didn't want to didn't work and 
I eventually just sort of stopped working as well, not wanting to sort of tow him uh, to the hills and then get dropped. That would have been pretty, uh, would have been a bad look. So in the end, we went back and the other two sort of kept on going and then um, it all just sort of came back together on those final climbs again. That was definitely the sort of the launch pad. That was where everyone was sort of really giving it a go. And it was, again, like in the, the day before, it was it was starting to split up on those uh, final climbs. But, um, yeah, just needed perhaps another lap or just a few more climbs to really get anything to stick. But, uh, yeah, it all sort of... It was all pretty hard, and then um, yeah, it sort of allowed a bit of opportunity to get away at the end, which I did with about five k to go. Got away with Ollie Kent Spark, and I think it might have even been the same inform rider, uh, number fifty one, and then um, managed to get away from those guys with about three k to go, and yeah, didn't quite make it to the line, and then Brenton uh, he won the uh, the sprint again. So yeah, it was a it was a really good race. Um, yeah, I think um, really aggressive. Everyone sort of uh, enjoyed the racing out there. Um, yeah, so it was a great day. We managed to hold on uh, for the GC. We got Sean his first ever tour victory, we found out afterwards. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a really great tour for us. Yeah, he's won, won quite a few things now, Sean, but they've mostly been one-day races or time trials, I suppose, in the past. So... Yeah, good to see him branching out into the old GC victories there. Yeah, it's always tough when you've got uh, TTs and then opening TTs and then a bunch of road races. You often, I think he's been in the position where he's been leading a few times and then the jersey's sort of been taken off him. So, yeah, he was really happy with that. Well, maybe you can chat to Joe Cooper about how to do it because um, Joe's a past master in, in, in leading the race from start to finish. So... Yeah, um, something to something to consider for the future. Um, yeah, worth worth talking about Brenton Jones there. Um, he said he was stuck in um, his gear was actually stuck um, for the final lap, so he was stuck in the the sixteen tooth cog at the back. And apparently, the sprint was quite, kind of funny for for him to for, to watch him doing it because um, he was just spinning his legs like crazy trying to trying to build up some speed. Apparently, he was doing about one hundred and fifty cadence over the line. Yeah, right. I was I was a bit oblivious to that. I did hear he had a few issues with his gears, but uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, he's done well there to get round the uh, the climbs in the sixteen. That would not have been fun. Yeah, well, and the downhills because you're not you're not properly um, you're not properly um, geared up for that either. So yeah, impressive performance, and I think it bodes well for his for his future there. Um, he took the win. And who was who was it um, up there filling out the minor? Aiden, Aiden, Aiden Tooby. He, uh, yeah. he was second, and then I think um, Jason Lee uh, from our team ended up sort of rolling third. So yeah, who knew Jason could sprint? I wasn't. I didn't think of him as a sprinter before this. Yeah, no, I think he he has got a bit of a sprint on him. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's the first time I've seen him on the on the podium in a sprint. But uh, yeah, he, he's apparently got a bit of a sprint, Jamie. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's he's only twenty years old, so he can develop more uh, more aspects to his cycling still. And yeah, bright talent for the future, Jason. Um, okay, well, what what were what were general takeaways from the tour then? Um, you mentioned a few of the informed boys there, um, Neil. Not not people who are informed, but the racing team informed racing, yeah, yeah. which is yeah, which is going to be an NRS team this year. 
Um, and I think they showed that they're they're here to make some waves, not just you know roll around in the bunch. Yeah, I thought Inform were uh, it was really great having having those guys there. In fact, there were a few teams that were pretty well represented. Um, but look, Inform and the uh, Drapak Pat's Veg team they were the sort of the two um, yeah sort of fully represented teams there, and it was it was great that they came down and supported the event. I thought it was on the whole uh, fantastic. I really enjoy the uh, the VRS sort of series and. Yeah, Gippsland is. Uh, yeah, I think it's a great place for for bike racing because it does have some really good terrain, some sort of lumpy courses, and there's always a bit of uh, possibility for wind as well. Uh, that was actually interesting. On the second day, there was a bit of a storm blowing in. It would have been very interesting if uh, that storm had have come a little bit earlier because as we were sort of packing up the car, the wind really picked up. Um, so that would have had a yeah, that would have had a really interesting effect on the race, but. On the whole, I think, um, yeah, I think it was a, a fantastic tour. I think one potential thing that they could look at doing is uh, potentially uh, introducing some uh, time bonuses somewhere. I think that would really sort of uh, change the makeup of the race a bit as well, particularly because the time trial is quite short. If they added in just a few time bonuses here and there, that might just really sort of uh, just allow a bit more opportunity for uh, the GC to sort of um, change a little bit in our race it certainly would have made a huge difference with both Cyrus Monk and uh, Raphael Freinstein they're both um, pretty punchy riders so had there been just a couple of intermediate sprints or um, time bonuses on the line it would have made it um, it would have made for some really really interesting sort of uh, well would have made that GC battle uh, yeah really interesting yeah opinions Louisa I mean it would have made it harder for you obviously um, yeah, definitely agree. Like, um, it would have been good to have some time bonuses and it would have changed the way the race was ridden as well. So yeah, definitely for next year would, would suggest putting those in, especially cause it is such a short tour. So really after the time trial, if there's no time bonuses, there's not much more opportunity <laughs> for GC to change dramatically. Yeah. Um, the break gets away. With the- yeah, particularly with the short stages as well, it makes it sort of because um, if people have to try and go after that raw time, it does make for some exciting racing. But when it is shorter as well, it's just a very difficult, um, a difficult sort of ask, I think. So yeah, it's probably not practical to do the uh, the longer races with so many grades racing. But I'd say maybe slightly longer races or uh, some time bonuses. Yeah, um, I'm a, a bit on on the fence about time bonuses. I mean, because they sort of artificially uh, make the race um, a bit different because instead of trying to get those gaps and um, get it on raw time, which um, promotes a bit more aggressive racing, instead um, you're kind of rolling rolling around, saving your energy for those um, for those um, sprints for the time bonuses. And I think we saw that particularly in the Tour of King Valley last year. Where over the climbs and then going into the um, sprints, everyone would just go crazy, and there'd be bu- there'd be a bunch of like five riders away, and then and then they'd all sit up <laughs> once they'd once they'd gone past the sprint points and um, and just wait for everyone to reform and then roll along to the next hill at about twenty five kilometers an hour. Yeah, I I think you're sort of right, JB. It does um, it does really change the the style of racing that you get, and that can be the 
I think that can be sort of the disadvantage. Potentially, it can sort of discourage people from sort of taking risks and trying to get that raw time and really being aggressive in sort of like a a break sort of fashion. Um, yeah, it does sort of it can sort of for a few people take away that that aspect of it and make them perhaps a little bit more conservative for that uh, final sprint. But yeah, it'd allow a bit of opportunity for things to change. Um, but yeah, you can go either way with it, really. Yeah, um, nothing I wanted to bring up was the Phoenix Cycle Cycling Collective. Um, they've got both a men's and women's team this year. They're the only um, team to do that, apart from the um, the state of um, institutes of sport. So the state institutes of sport, like you know, Sassy and Swiss, those guys um, who bring um, both men's and women's. So. And it's quite an endeavour having both both a men's and women's team. I mean, they had like four different cars going down to support all the riders, and it was it was quite a an enterprise. Um, how did I think the, I think it's their fourth year in the men's, but um, first year in the women's. Um, Louisa, how what was your impression of them uh, riding? Yeah, so I think uh, there's a lot of Canberra girls in that team, so know quite a few of them, and yeah, it's great to see um, another. <laughs> A new team in the peloton obviously um yeah a new team like takes a while to um yeah get used to racing with each other and and just building that but yeah i mean great to see a, a new team on board yep uh want more want more people racing so that's always good um and the second point i wanted to raise was safety because there were um quite a lot of there was quite a lot of talk, sorry, going on before the race about um, specifically specifically the NRS um, women's because normally in the NRS it's it's um, a situation where you've got rolling road closures, whereas in this race it was just the police escort um, off the front, which is which is essentially just one police car off the front and one at the back, and the one off the front um, just motions to um, cars to p- pull over into the oncoming cars to pull over onto the side of the road and whether they follow that direction or not isn't really enforced because we saw a number of cars just pick up and go straight into the peloton at times and it it created a few hairy situations there um what was the impression from the riders there louisa um yeah i was a bit disappointed of how that was run um i think also the teams needed to be informed earlier that it wasn't going to be um closed rows roads i mean it does change the way we race a little bit because if it was more windy like there could have been you know you would have been wanting to use the whole whole road to um to create breaks in the bunch and i think it just it does make it that just a bit more dangerous not having a full road closure especially for an nrs and i think it's great to see more nrs races on the women's calendar this year that's fantastic but I think um, the quality needs to be maintained and rider safety needs to come first. Yeah, there were a few situations where there were cars coming at the peloton as well and it just you know, made for yeah, a few dangerous situations which didn't exactly need to be happening. Um, Neil, I mean, obviously that's a common situation in the VRS and there wasn't even a police escort for you guys. Um, and on a few occasions there were, I think, particularly on that second stage there, there was one time where you guys were going up a climb and um, and one car just came hurtling down and it was, you know, blind luck as much as anything which prevented an accident there. Yeah, I can't even remember the exact scenario you're talking about there, Jamie, but there were definitely a few cars on the roads on on both of the road stages. So 
it's never um yeah it's never good when you sort of have a, a peloton you know charging down a hill and then you've got a a car coming up the other way like particularly if it's sort of um sort of blind corners but um yeah i think the men sort of uh had the had the idea that it wasn't really um a closed road at all so i think people were sort of fairly wary of um you know looking ahead and and checking for cars but yeah it's a it's a tricky one because you want to you want to be able to have the races but uh at the same time um yeah you don't want to have anyone getting cleaned up by cars that's for sure yeah um the the point you raised there about um, being aware that it wasn't really a closed road i think that was mate that was a bit of a <clears throat> sorry my voice is going crazy um yeah that was that was a bit of a problem with the women's because you thought that you had the whole road in some situations and then oh suddenly there'd be a car coming at you i think we saw that a few times where um riders were fanning out and then suddenly you hear the call car and you seen the motions in the peloton and you've got to scramble back to the left-hand side of the road there yeah i think it really needs to be one way or the other um and i think teams need to be aware of that well before the race and if they're going to have it as an nrs race then i think it should be full road closure um but i mean yeah it's it's yeah it's important that um the riders are really aware of what what conditions they're racing under if it was a vrs event um Often it is just half the road and that's fine. Um, but as an NRS event, I think um, they should step it up for next year. And I think just to add to that, I think it gets to be a real problem when you're racing on an open road. Like even if you know that the road's open, once you start to get sort of too many riders, it just it just doesn't really work. So I think if, if the roads sort of are going to be open, on some of those circuits, I think maybe looking at just capping the field size might be a way that you sort of have to go about that. Because if you've got, if you've got sort of 70, 70 riders um, on an open road, like it just, and like you say, Louisa, if there's a bit of crosswind up and things like that, it just really, it just doesn't work because riders are just going to end up like if there's a crosswind from the left to the right, riders are going to end up on the, on the wrong side of the road. And it's just, it is creating a bit of a, um just a bit of a dangerous scenario it's just you know like you say jamie if a car comes at the wrong time it could potentially be really bad so yeah maybe um yeah maybe looking at capping the field size if it uh, if the road does have to be open yeah it, it is a pity because it's all um it's all part of the conversation about you know lack of resources in cycling i mean ideally we could do you know everything we'd like to but it's unfortunately not the situation in in lots of cases um okay well on that slightly more somber note i think we should probably end the podcast there um you can find breakdown podcast on twitter and facebook just put in breakdown podcast you'll find us eventually and keep updated with everything that's going on um oh what i wanted to uh, mention was all the other amazing cycling that we've got going on in the world um obviously track um track world cup meet over in cali columbia at the moment and uh beck wisak is back in the team friend of the podcast beck wisak back in the team pursuit uh team there and they took out gold with uh, i think it was amy cure uh, Georgia Baker and Ashley Ann Kudinoff in that team there as well. So good to see them back on the boards after um, after a slightly disastrous um, Olympics campaign where obviously they had that dramatic crash there. Um, 
Yeah, Louise, have you ever done any track race? I don't, I don't even know. Um, I've done a little bit. I'd like to do more, but it's um, I've just found it hard with time to be able to do to do any at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and I think Amy Cure went on to take the Omnium gold as well. So a good result for the women's endurance riders over there. And um, then in the men's, it was um, well. I'm thinking of the Tour of Filipinas at the moment, where a number of Australian riders are going well over there. Um, Sean Whitfield took out his first ever UCI win and Oliver's Real Foods' first ever UCI win there, winning the bunch sprint um, on the second stage. And Ben Hill has also been going gangbusters. He's uh, currently either second or third on GC, but he's taken two second positions uh, throughout the race. And, yeah, he looks to be on some really good form and hopefully uh, bigger teams are paying attention to that at the moment. Um, Neil, racing Ben, you know that he's... Uh, pretty fiery customer to, to race against yep he's uh he's super aggressive ben he uh he certainly doesn't like to sit in the peloton and uh and sort of yeah he doesn't like to be in the peloton really ever so yeah no doubt that race is uh he spent a good amount of time off the front um so yeah it's good to see ben in uh in some good form again yeah i mean two seconds very good return but he'll be he'll be wanting that um that that first big win, I'd say, knowing Ben. Um, okay, oh, yeah, he's got well, a few. He, he actually got a, a tour victory last year in, uh, I think it was Tour of Thailand. So he's not going too bad. That's a two point one this year. So I'm not sure if they're going back, but yeah, he uh, he gets a few. Anyway, we'll wrap up the podcast there. Um, Neil, is there anything you want to plug? Oh, we do have a what's on in the peloton coming up in conjunction with the uh, the three peaks. So. Yeah, I probably should give that a bit of a plug if anyone's sort of heading up to do the three peaks and uh, wants to sort of get the, uh, you know, the inside word on just cycling and, and learn a bit more about uh, the team, sort of how teams sort of work together and the planning that goes in behind stages, um, all that sort of stuff. Um, ring up Howman's Gap, Alpine Centre. So that's, the, that's where we're going to be uh, doing the event. And it's on the day before the peaks challenge so it's on the 11th of march okay head along to that and louisa um what, what are you up to in the next next little bit uh we'll be preparing for oceanas so heading up there um that's on the uh 8th 9th of march that weekend so yeah looking forward to racing back in canberra it's going to be a pretty hilly course so i'm sure the climbers are gonna be loving it <laughs> Um, and then after that, we have a bit of a break before going into the next NRS races, which are at the end of April, I think, Battle on the Border and Mersey Valley. So lots of training in between that. <laughs> and uh, Tour of Southwest as well. Um, uh, Tour of Southwest, yep, another new one on the calendar. Yep, and uh, I think we'll get we'll get our first sighting of Leeson Hockings back at um, Oceania's from the sound of things. So that will be an exciting time for everyone, no doubt. Yeah, it would be great to have her back on the team and on the road. And, yeah, definitely always one to look out for on those climbs. So, yeah, be an exciting race. We'll definitely be put – Holden, we'll be putting it to everyone to get to maintain the Oceana jersey for another year. Okay. And on that note, it's probably a good time to end the podcast. Thanks for joining us, um, and we'll see you around. Uh, thanks, Louisa, for joining us, and thank you, Neil. Thanks, Jamie. No worries. Thanks for having me. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>